Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. All right, I'd like for you to open your Bible with me. You know, the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And even when you go to read the Bible, the Bible will be better if you worship first. The sermon is better if you worship first. And turn to John chapter 12 with me. This is a, a unique message in, a, in its own right. And it's because of the, in part because of the perspective that we're taking. Whenever you read the Bible, um, there are always two realities present. On one side, there's always what God is doing in a particular story or a particular passage. Today we're going to read about what Jesus was doing. Jesus was God. He's the Son of God. He is God. And every time you open the Word of God, and I want to encourage you, read your Bible every day. Every day, read your Bible. It's important. That was a good time for amen. Okay? And... Um, uh, uh, the word of God is life, it's food, it's so important, and it's actually Christ himself. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word, Christ is the word. And whenever you read the Bible, uh, um, sometimes what really stands out is what God is doing. That's one of the realities. We are the benefactors of the history um, that was inspired by the spirit of God, and then collected and, and captured into the word of God for us because we get to see that what God did and what God wants to do. You see, and so whenever you read the word of God, there's what God is doing, but then the second uh, reality is what the people are doing. Sometimes God is, is at work in one way, but the people are on a very different page. Sometimes we're out of sync with, with between what God is doing and his people are doing. It's really out of step. Have you ever found yourself out of sync with God? Can I see your hands? Yes. You know? In fact, there are many occasions and many instances. This is, this is kind of a universal principle that I'm talking about. There are many, many times and different seasons in a person's life where God might be doing something, but we have no clue what he's doing. Things happen in our lives, and we go, that one, I just don't understand. I don't get it, God. I don't get what you're doing. But the truth of the matter is, is that that's part of the faith life. Part of the faith life is following in faith even when you don't have a clue, even when you don't understand that's why we sing songs like, my Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything he has said, he will do. You know, I was talking earlier, Pastor Jake, who's here in the front row. Pastor Jake, Pastor Jake, you've been at the church nine years? Ten years. So uh, 11 years ago or so, or ten and a half years ago, 
Pastor Jake was in college, and he was actually on his way to Emerson College in Boston. It is a, uh, um, a highly respected um, college for journalism and communication, a lot of famous teachers there. And uh, Jake was, uh, you know, wanted to go into journalism. Uh, he, he did an internship for WGN, and they offered him a job. He, he really knew his stuff. And so he was on his way. His path was laid out in his own mind. A great student, very smart guy. And at the end of the semester of the school, that, of one school that he was at before he went over to Emerson, uh, he fainted a few times, and actually he fainted in one of his classes. And when he fainted, they took him to the hospital, they did some, some studies or tests, and they found out that he had something, something Williams Parkinson's syndrome or something in his heart, and he needed surgery on his heart. And uh, um, so one day, you, you, you're minding your own business. This is a, he was an athlete since he was a kid. Everything was fine, never any problems. One day, out of the blue, he finds out he has a heart condition, and he's just a young man. And what they said to him is, listen, we, uh, uh, we highly recommend that you stay in Chicago because you're going to have to go through a process before we could do this procedure on you. And, um, and it's better, better for medical insurance and, and, uh, and so on and so forth. And so he stayed. And when he stayed for that, I guess it was one, supposedly that one semester to get through this, all of a sudden someone invites him to Chicago Tabernacle. I remember the first day that he came to the church. And then Jake goes on to give his life to Christ. He goes on to begin to serve, he goes on to come on staff, and then he becomes a pastor, and guess what? Bye-bye Emerson College. You know, and, he, and, and he's a man of God today, and the Lord is, has, has used him over so many different things, and, and you know, sometimes things happen, and we have no clue what's going on, but how many know God is always working for our good. So today's message is a very familiar story. The story is really centered on Christ. There's one line about the disciples, and even though obviously Christ is the center of every message, what we want to do is hone in on what was going on with the disciples because today's message is one of those messages about continuing to trust God even when you don't understand. Even when it doesn't make sense. This is all universal. And this is a real simple story, but it says something loud and clear. So John chapter 12, beginning with verse 12 as I mentioned before, this is a famous story. This is actually Palm Sunday, the first original Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. And uh, Jesus was about to uh, uh, make his last march into Jerusalem. Jesus knew that he was going to die in Jerusalem. Jesus knew that this was the last time he would go in before he died, and he literally was going to his death. 
Now, at the same time, Jesus was also fulfilling a prophecy out of Zechariah 9.9, I believe. And this prophecy said that a king would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Thousands of years before, it said that it would happen, and now Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, gets on a donkey and makes his way in. So this is the story uh, um, uh, that we're reading, and like I said, it's just four verses. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus had been doing lots of miracles and great things, and so they, they already started to worship him. And the Bible says they took palm branches and went out to meet him and began shouting. Now, let me say this very quickly so that you could understand the significance of this. First of all, those palm branches originally in the, the, the origins of the Old Testament, those palm branches represented righteousness. In one of the Psalms, it says, uh, um, and your righteousness will flourish like palm trees. And so uh, those palm branches to the, to the Hebrew people represented righteousness. And over time, they also came to represent victory. And so as they were waving to Jesus, they were saying, righteous victory has come. The one who's going to make everything right. The one who is right. And they were worshiping him. And then they were shouting, the Bible says, they were shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. So they were calling him king. No, go ahead and, and, and just leave it there. They were calling him king. And Hosanna means, save us now. Victory now. So when Jesus started to head into Jerusalem on that donkey, what was happening is the people were, were, were shouting, victory now, salvation now. The righteous one has finally come. And they were acknowledging him, in a sense, as the Messiah. So they were shouting, Hosanna, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were worshiping, quote, the king of Israel, even though they didn't fully understand. But up till now, no one had done the things that Jesus had done. And then lastly, now let's keep going. Then it says, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. Here's the last thing to add more meaning to this passage. See, in that time when a king got on a donkey, okay, and he began to move anywhere, getting on a donkey represented peace. If a king approached on a donkey, he was signifying to whoever he was approaching, even if it was one of his enemies, he was signifying peace. If a king got on a horse, it represented war. You see, but Jesus got on that on that donkey because how many know Jesus is the king of peace? And he was riding to purchase our peace and to secure our peace. He is the prince of peace. He is the king of peace. And so when Jesus went on there, he was saying, I come in peace and I'm going to bring peace. And how many are thankful that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ? Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, now it says, and this is the verse that we're going to focus on, 
remembering, look at all the things that God is doing. God is fulfilling prophecy. God is about to work out his salvation. There are all of these awesome things that Jesus was doing. Jesus was present and active among them. Okay? And it's important for us to understand that, that what happened then also happens now. And I believe that Jesus is present and active among us as well. Can I get an amen? But watch. Watch, it says. At first, his disciples, read these three words with me, everyone, ready? Did not understand. At first, his disciples, the people who were closest to him, the people who were walking with him, the people who spent three years with him, it says at first, they did not understand all this. Only after, everyone say, only after. Only after Jesus was glorified, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him? It was only after. So here are our disciples walking with Christ, living with Christ for two or three years, and Christ was present and active, and Christ was working out their peace, working out their salvation, working out their victory, working out their healing, and all along while this was happening, they did not understand. In fact, understanding came to them only after. And the title of my message today is Only After. Because brothers and sisters, there are some things that will come around to everyone's life. Okay? No one gets a free pass on this one. I was talking to Pastor Dave and uh, he was saying that uh, uh, a number of years ago when he started in the youth ministry, uh, he was talking with his father-in-law who's a missionary and they were talking about King David. And King David was anointed king. And then he didn't become king until 14 years later. And in between that anointing and, and, and the, the time that he took the throne, it was horrible. He was anointed king. But then he had to run. Saul was chasing him. Most of his, his uh, uh, early life he was being chased by Saul. He didn't do anything to hurt Saul. And Saul was coming after him and he lived in caves and he had no place to lay his head. And at one point his family was kidnapped. All of these things happened. But then only after did he realize that even that God had a purpose. And Pastor Dave was telling me today that he said to his his father-in-law, yeah, but you know, since we have the Bible, if you read stuff and if you practice proper principles, you could avoid some of that. And you know what his father-in-law said? His father-in-law said, impossible. And brothers and sisters, can I say uh, an amen with his father-in-law? If you think that you could avoid the stuff of life, I'm going to tell you right now, impossible. Okay? There will be times when things go on and things take place that you just don't understand. Here's another thing, and then we'll, we're going we're gonna to pray in a moment. But I was telling Lars, we have a, a young man in, who's helping out occasionally in my office. He's going back to school. His name is Lars. He's in Bible school, and he's studying, preparing for ministry. And I was telling this to Lars, and this is why this is so meaningful today. Okay, I've been serving the Lord for over 30 years now. And I have seen this. 
okay? So when I went to Bible school, there were a lot of people that were so amazingly gifted and so amazingly capable, okay? More gifting in their pinky than I have in my whole body, you know? And I, I used to marvel at their abilities and sermons that they preached and all of these things. However, some of those same people are not only not in the ministry, they're not even serving God. And you know why? It's because when they hit those crossroads that they didn't understand, what they did is they pointed a finger of blame at God instead of ha lifting hands of praise and saying, God, I don't understand this, but I know sooner or later it will all make sense because you're good and you're faithful. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so I'm here to declare to you some things are only after. You see, some things you just don't get it today, but only after Jesus is glorified in your life will you get it. One day, I bet there must have been a moment one day when Pastor Jake was preaching someplace or leading someone to Christ, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh snap, that's why that happened. That's why my life was hijacked off the road that I thought it should have been on. That's why the tables were turned on me and nothing all of a sudden made sense for all of this time. But how many know, only after Jesus gets the glory. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's right. Some things are only after. So I want to pray and just... Talk about what God is doing when we don't understand. What is God doing when we don't understand? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and this time. And thank you for this precious opportunity to be in your house and in your presence. And God, even to share your word and to receive your word. Lord, would you bless this moment with your spirit, with your power, with your light shine in our hearts today, we pray. Lord, there, there might be someone confused or discouraged. Lord, I pray that today will be a day where our hearts are set right before you. Bless this word and our time together in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. So what is God doing when we don't understand what he's doing, when the bottom falls out, when things don't make sense, when what we thought we knew about God doesn't even make sense about God. What is happening? Well, this passage of scripture, as simple as it is, it, it points out some very important things. And here's the first thing. The first thing that you see that God was doing and is doing, whether we understand it or not, is that he is doing an undisclosed work of fulfillment. You see, it says at first his disciples did not understand all of this. But there was a work going on. It was just undisclosed to them. They didn't get it. Jesus chose for some reason not to reveal what was actually going on even to those that were closest to him. And sometimes we think that God owes us an explanation for, any, for everything. And how many know God doesn't owe us anything? We owe him worship and honor and praise. How many would say amen? You see, sometimes in the wisdom of God, 
He wants us because he knows that that's what's going to grow our faith. He's not going to lay it out all for us. Some people say, I'll do what God, uh, he just has to show me his will. But what they mean by that is they want a fax and architectural drawings. Okay? They want, a, they want a notebook of instructions this thick and they don't understand that with God he says like he said to Abraham, go to the place that I will show you. And guess what he did? He started walking. He started going. He didn't get all of the specifics, but how many know God's word should be enough for us? How many would say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. And so there was this undisclosed work of prophetic fulfillment that was taking place right before their eyes, and they didn't understand it. One of the great characters of the Bible that, that shows this is, let's take Joseph. So Joseph was a young, he was a young man, and uh, as a, 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 a young man, God gave him a vision, and the vision was that he, even his family would bow down before him. And Joseph, he had a couple things to learn, and he actually shared that with his family, you know. And they rebuked the stink out of him that day, even Jacob, you know. And, 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 and uh, instead of keeping it quiet, he blabbed. You know, now here's an interesting thing about Joseph's story. Joseph was not perfect, but one of the things that you see is that even though God had a call on his life and was going to use him in a mighty way, God still had a little bit of work to do in Joseph. Okay? How many would agree the Lord still has a little bit of work to do in us? Amen? He always does. And so here's what happens. Joseph, not only did he have a big mouth, but he grew up in a dysfunctional home. Joseph's father favored him over his brothers. And he did it so much, and it was so off, and it was so wrong that his brothers got so jealous, okay? He got so they got so jealous that they actually sold him as a slave and lied to the father and said he was killed by a lion, Okay? Now, if you happen to be one of those people that comes from a dysfunctional family and you ask yourself, is it even possible to be used when you grew up in a house that was just nuts and crazy and twisted and bent? Well, here's a classic example, and the answer is a resounding, everyone, yes. You see? Yes, yes, and yes. And so now Joseph is sold as a slave, and one of the things the Bible tells you about Joseph is that he never complained. He never grumbled. Something did happen in Joseph's life, and it was difficult, and it was hard, but you never hear Joseph complaining. He, he was a, a slave in Potiphar's house. Then he got falsely accused again, and he went, into the, he went to prison, and then he goes from the prison to become the prince of Egypt. You see, and, and that, was, that was God's plan for his life. There was an undisclosed work taking place. Did Joseph understand? No. But how many know, even on our worst day, Romans 8.28 is true. I want to put this up. On our worst day, brothers and sisters, Romans 8.28 is true. Let's read this together. Ready? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You see? 
And I, I, I need to declare this right now, regardless of where you find yourself, okay, God has a purpose for your life. Regardless of how you've come up, God has a purpose for your life. Regardless of where you've been, if you're a Christian here, you know God has a purpose for your life. Okay, and if you're, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you ever ask yourself, why are you here? It's not because someone dragged you even though you're like, <laughs> we're so happy you're here. <laughs> Hallelujah, and guess what? God is happier. You see? Because even when we say, I don't want to go, even when we say, I don't want you, God, how many know? The steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His arm will reach and reach and reach and reach and reach. Hallelujah. When I, was a, when I was a kid, I don't even think I was a Christian, but there was a show on Broadway, and the title of it was, Your Arms Are Too Short to Box with God. Let me give you a piece of advice. Stop running. Stop fighting. God has a purpose for your life. And if you'll let him, he will be glorified through it. He will be glorified through it. And you don't have to understand. That's what's awesome about all of this is that God understands. You look at even in the book of Acts when the church was born. The spirit of God is poured out upon them. Great things are happening. 3,000 get saved. Then more get saved. All of this great stuff is happening. And then a great persecution comes on the church. You're like, what? And everyone is scattered. But it was through that persecution that the gospel ended up going everywhere throughout the world at that time. You see, what they thought was bad was actually good. They, were, they thought, man, this is terrible. But it wasn't as terrible as they thought. You see, because what God was doing is he was sending people who wouldn't have gone. The truth of the matter is, is that God uses, when the Bible says all things, that word all things means a combination. It's, a, it's kind of like a pharmaceutical word. It's a combination of different elements and chemicals, some good, some not so good, maybe some that are, feel like they're a little bit poisonous, okay, some not so, and that all of that concoction that God makes, he uses all things to work together for our good. Just think about, I was talking to a young man who wants to go into the service the other day. Think about when a young guy goes into the service and he goes to boot camp. You know? Who wants to go through boot camp? People yelling at you, waking you up early. I know you love that, right? And uh, telling you how to, you know, you know, how to dress, how to make your bed, all this, 50 push-ups, run these miles and all that. But what is happening? What is happening is they're being transformed into soldiers. There's a process taking place. Do they fully understand it? No. But there's this undisclosed work of fulfillment. God's heart is, do, is to do a work of fulfillment in everyone's life. And brothers and sisters, I just want you to know it never ends. It never ends. You don't get to a certain age. On the contrary, the older you get in God, the speaker said it last week, the greater the challenges become. Because he wants our faith to grow. How many would say amen? amen. 
So when you don't understand, here's what you do know or what you can know and put your faith in is that God is faithful. And right now, just because he hasn't explained it doesn't mean he's not doing a work. It's actually an undisclosed work. And everyone say this with me, only after. See? Only after. Sooner or later, it'll make sense. But in God's timing. Amen? Okay, then, then here's the second thing. That, that, that God is doing, the second work that he's doing when we don't understand is that he's getting us ready and he's getting us there. If the musicians could come and the singers, he's getting us ready and he's getting us there. It says, after his after at first his disciples did not understand all of this, only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. They, they had at a certain point a perspective and God was using his example. Do you know, do you know that even though that, the night, a week from, a week from uh, uh, that Sunday, five days from that Sunday, that Friday, all of those disciples, they ran from Jesus. They ran. Okay? But after, later on, after they, Jesus was glorified, after Jesus rose from the dead, after they received the great commission, every single one of the disciples, they gave their life for Christ with great boldness and great courage. Now one of them backed down. I've mentioned this before. Peter, they went to crucify him. And Peter said, listen, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified the way my Savior was. You see, they learned. God was using even his own example to get them ready and to get them someplace. Why, does, why do things happen in our lives? Guess what? Okay. He's getting you ready. Okay? He's getting you ready. And he's getting you ready for a particular place. And when you get there and when you're ready, guess what's going to happen? Jesus is going to be glorified from your life. All of a sudden, because of what you've been through and because of what you've learned and because of what you've surrendered and because of how you died to yourself, because you picked up your cross and followed him and trusted him, the moment will come that Jesus will be glorified from your life and you'll have that aha moment say, ah, now I get it, Lord. Now I get it. Those darkest days become the sweetest days because you realize that's what God was using. God was using that to make you who you are, to teach you, to trust him no matter what's going on. When people are after David, to teach you. Look, here's another classic example and we're gonna, we'll close in a, in a moment. But let's look at the life of Moses, okay? So the life of Moses is, I think, like a, like a quintessential example. When Moses was a little baby, right, he got Moses into Pharaoh's house to protect him, okay? Now Pharaoh was the great enemy of all of the Jews. Pharaoh was the one who gave the order to kill the boys. And so who would, who would have thought, who would have thought this up, that the way God was going to protect 
Moses was by having him put into a basket and releasing him. And you would think if you and I wrote the story, say, all right, well, guide that basket out of town. Get him out of town. But no, how many know God is smarter than the devil? So what does he do? He puts him right under Pharaoh, right in his house. And for a certain season of his life, okay, he didn't really grow up in his mom and dad's home. It was too dangerous. He grew up in Pharaoh's home. But then at a certain point, right, he had to get him out of Pharaoh's house to prepare him. So wait a second. First he gets him into Pharaoh's house. And that becomes his protection. And now he gets this education. Now he dresses. He's got the finest gold, the bangles, the whole deal. He's got the, the finest horses. He's, he's everything. And all of a sudden God strips him of everything and puts him in the desert for 40 years to prepare him. You see, we hate. Let me tell you something. We're not fond of deserts. But if you look at the history of the Bible, God does some of his greatest work in the desert. How many would say amen? Hallelujah. And that's why if you're in a desert right now, listen. Don't worry. He's drawn you to himself. He wants to speak to you. In the book of Hosea, even when Israel was Hosea, Hosea, Hosea. When Israel was away from God, here's what he said. He said, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let her alone. I will draw her to the desert. And then there I'm going to speak softly to her. And I'm going to open a door of hope in the valley of trouble. Unfortunately, right, it's human nature. We meet God more when we're in a mess than when we're not in a mess. You ever found that to be true? Like, we're so good. The Lord is pouring down the blessings. Like, pour it down, pour it down, and then it's so easy to forget him. But when the trouble hits, we're like, come on, Jesus, right? We're just locking in. And maybe you're here today, and you're in a desert, and you don't understand. Listen, he's still preparing you. He's still doing a work. Here, Moses went for 40 years into the desert after being in the, in the palace of Pharaoh. And then watch this. This is crazy. Now he sends him back to Pharaoh's house to fulfill his purpose. Now to confront Pharaoh, to conquer Pharaoh, guess he, who he uses? The fugitive becomes the conqueror. Only God could write this kind of story. And what we have to realize, okay, is that God has that same story for you and I. You see, God has a plan that he wants to use us and he has a purpose for our lives. Everyone would say, God, come on, God has a purpose for me. Very important. Many people somehow, because of situations and circumstances, okay, I'm telling you, I think back to Bible school, I think back to the guy, one of the guys who I heard preach, who I was like, this dude is going gonna, is gonna to be one of the greatest preachers of all time. I was like blown away at this guy. He was 19 years old. He was like, a, to me, he was like Spurgeon. And even today, he's, I, I heard he's not even in the ministry. And he's lost so much. And you know why? Because 
things started to happen that didn't make sense. Instead of saying, God, you use all things to work together for our good. Now, we're almost done here. I want to show you a three-minute video, and I'm going to tell you it's fiction, okay? This is fictional, but here's what I want to say. What if, what if we could get a, into a time machine? What if we could get into a time machine right now, and we could go all the way to, to, to heaven, right, when our time is up, and we could see all of the things and all of the ways that God used us? What if, what if somehow, right, we had that possibility? Well, someone showed me this clip, and I, I, I've been showing it all day. Vincent Van Gogh, everybody know who Van Gogh is, right? Vincent Van Gogh was one of the greatest and most influential painters of all time. Uh, uh, he didn't realize when he was alive, he lived in depression, okay? He lived in discouragement. He, he painted over 900 paintings. He only sold one. And he was so depressed, he cut off his ear, and eventually he committed suicide. Now, uh, uh, there's this show. Anybody see the BBC show, Doctor Who? Can I see your hands? Anybody see that one? I saw it for the first time today. I just saw a clip. I didn't even know about it, right? And um, so it's been going on apparently since the 1960s. The clip you're going to see is them taking Vincent van Gogh into 2010 into Paris. And to watch this for a minute. Uh, uh, and then we're going to close. Where are we? Paris, 2010 AD, and this is the mighty Musée d'Orsay, home to many of the greatest paintings in history. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, ignore that, I've got something more important to show you. Take all your chances while you can. You were nice about my tie. Yes. And today is another cracker, if I may say so. But I just wondered, between you and me, in a uh, hundred words, where do you think Van Gogh rates in the history of art? Well, um, big question. Um, but to me, Van Gogh is the finest painter of the world. Certainly the most popular, great painter of all time. The most beloved. His command of color, the most magnificent. He transformed the pain of his tormented life into ecstatic beauty. 
pain is easy to portray, but to use your passion and pain to portray the ecstasy and joy and magnificence of our world, no one had ever done it before. Perhaps no one ever will again. To my mind, that strange, wild man who roamed the fields of Provence was not only the world's greatest artist, but also one of the greatest men who ever lived. Vincent. Sorry. I'm sorry, is it too much? No. They are tears of joy. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Sorry about the beard. <laughs> I know that was fictional, but I need to say amen to that, right? If he only knew. You know, part of the reason why I put this on, if you read the newspaper, one of the things that you're seeing that is happening in our culture is that there are more young people committing suicide than ever. People are trying to escape and getting hooked on on um, opioids, they're taking, they're taking medication and they're escaping because they don't understand all the amazing things that God really wants to do with their lives. So many people are giving up. They, they, they lose this or they lose that or they have a significant loss and, and they feel like God has forsaken us. Do you realize that no matter what loss you've had, and I, I say this with great compassion, God understands. God lost his own son. He understands. You see? But in this life, he promises to work all things together for our good. Our Redeemer is faithful and true. There are things that, that we do today. See, here's, here's what I want to close with. So what do you do? Okay? When God is doing the, this undisclosed work of fulfillment, when he's getting us ready and, and when he's getting us there, well, in the passage of Scripture, what you see is that even though they didn't understand, it was still all good. Why? Because Jesus was present and active. And what I want to say to you is whenever you don't understand, and I've been, I think that history is replete with this. I've learned this in, in my own life. Whenever you don't understand, you know what the key is? Is keep the word present and active in your life. Keep going to the word of God. Keep going to the promises of God. And then you can say, my Redeemer is faithful and true. You know, the one thing they could say, they say, look, Jesus has gotten on that donkey. Jesus is doing something. We don't understand it, but Jesus is here. And, and how many know, every time you read the word of God, Jesus is right there. How many would say amen? He's right there. Keep the word present and active in your life. So what I want to do today is I know that a message like this, even though it's for all of us, it might be slightly different because there might be people here today that you're in one of those deep and difficult places. You're, you're in one of those seasons of hardship. 
and, and, and sometimes you don't understand or you get discouraged. Maybe you got, you got some bad news. This is the time to lift your hands. Come on, let's lift our hands. We're going to sing that again, but I want to open up the altar today for someone who really could use some prayer. For someone, the key today is to take a step of faith and say, God, I don't get it. God, I don't have a clue. God, my heart is broken in a thousand pieces. Lord, I feel lost, whatever it is. But God, I choose, oh God, to trust you, oh God. I choose to, to say that you are faithful and true. And God, you will never leave me nor forsake me. Even this, God, sooner or later, after you're glorified, it'll make sense, oh God. But today I want to declare by faith, oh God, I trust you. We know that God causes all things, everyone say all things, all things to work together for our good. And we know that even though we don't see the work or understand the work, it's a work of fulfillment from the God side. And we know that what he's doing right now is he's getting us ready and he's getting us there. So we want to offer ourselves to the process today. Surrender to the process. Say, God, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to doubt you. I'm going to surrender to you and I'm going to worship you, God. And I want you to pray to the left and to the right. God, get me ready and get me there because I want to bring you glory. Come on, all over the building. We want to bring you glory, God. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we choose to say hallelujah and blessed be the name of the Lord, oh God. We choose to give you glory today, oh God. Even though we don't understand, you are faithful and true, oh God. Blessed be your name. We rejoice in the Lord always. Hallelujah to your name, oh God. Hallelujah. We trust you. And we thank you. And Lord, we rejoice because you will be glorified in our lives. And then it'll make sense. And God, I just pray, Father God, that as we go from this place, Lord, that we would remember that you are the King of peace. Let your people walk in peace, oh God. The peace of Christ which surpasses all understanding May it guard every heart and mind today, oh God. And may we yield to what you're doing and to where you're taking us, oh God. Thank you. Thank you for your word, oh God, that tells us that sooner or later you're going to be glorified in our lives. We thank you for all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Can we give God one more hand?